There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm 33 years old and I've had five children. The one thing that I wish they'd have told me about before I gave birth was what my body was going to look like immediately afterwards. The minute that I looked down and saw what had happened to my stomach and down below, it made me throw up. And I wish to God someone would have just explained to me what your body was going to look like, the fact that you couldn't get up and you struggled to get to the toilet, all of those glam things that they kept secret from us. Coming up in today's episode... Midwife Marley tells us why having a positive experience around birth is all about knowledge and balance. I think that there's an element of, I don't know if I want to know. I'd rather be ignorant to everything. Whereas I think sometimes if you're totally ignorant to sort of learning about birth and know, and asking questions, then you might be in for a bit of a shock once you're actually there. Maternity advocate Clitord Rebecca Addy of the Five Times More Project talks to us about the shocking reality of disparities when it comes to maternal health for black women in the UK. It's definitely hard to hear stuff like, you know, I don't want to die. It's, it's hard. The rate of, of women dying in the UK is very low. It's still a safe place, yet you have five times more likely to die. And we hear from our brilliant listeners. Nobody can sort of not help but give advice or anecdotes or share things from their own birth experiences and I'd had a washer birth planned and yeah a really fixed idea about how I wanted the birth to go and my baby she came very early and very fast and it ended up being completely the opposite of how I'd imagined it and I think I just wish I had maybe just not believed everybody and I wish I'd learned a little bit more about what early birth entails tubes, BP machines, all sort of quite daunting and scary prospects. Nobody wants to think of their birth going that way, but maybe preparing for just the slight chance that it could go that way might have helped um, and that your job might be to be okay with that change and there is a good chance that it might not be the way that you uh, dreamed of. It doesn't make it any less special or any less beautiful. It just makes it different. You're listening to Am I Making You Uncomfortable? And the hashtag is AIMYU. Today, we'll be touching on some difficult aspects of birth. We just wanted to give you a heads up. Hello and welcome back to Am I Making You Uncomfortable and our first episode of 2021. Happy New Year to everyone listening and we're kicking off the new year by talking about birth. It's a pretty big topic especially considering Brogan and I, uh, neither of us are parents, we do not know what birth is like and therefore I think today is going to be very eye-opening for both of us. But we really wanted to talk about birth and particular the silence surrounding birth because there seems to be almost an unspoken agreement among women that 
you don't talk about the realities of birth just in case you, I don't know, scare someone off of becoming a parent. And it seems that sometimes women get to the stage where they're pregnant and then they're only just finding out about the realities of it all. Yeah, definitely. It's got a bit of a fight club vibe about mm. it, hasn't it? So yeah, I, to be honest, I don't really know much about my friends' experiences of birth. They might joke about like the state of their vagina now or <laughs> about how it was awful and they're glad it's over. Mm. There was one friend who I thought, you know, I should ask her what it's like. You know, I feel like I kind of owe it to her. I said, you know, so what was it like? And she just looked at me and was like, do you really want to know? <laughs> and I hesitated God. for a bit because I thought, do I? I'm not quite sure. Mm. And she told me in quite a lot of detail and in quite a colourful way what had happened. <laughs> but it is just quite odd that some of your like closest friends or family members can go through something that can be very physically grueling. I can't really think of an appropriate mm. word. And you don't really talk about it. So anyway, yeah, we spoke about it and it hasn't put me off, but it, it did sound pretty fucking harrowing, if I'm being mm. honest. See, that's the thing about hearing birth stories that are really traumatic. Like I do really think it's, you know, important that people who've had those experiences have space to talk about them if they want to. Mm-hmm. But on the other side, in all honesty, I don't know if I want to know the details about childbirth. I don't want to be put off of having kids by, you know, hearing absolute horror stories, but maybe I'm just delaying the shock, you know, because I'm going to figure it out at some point. Maybe it is more healthy to process the realities now rather than, you know, eight months down the line when you've got a baby in your womb and nowhere to go. (laughs) So maybe (laughs) there's only one way out. (laughs) Yeah. So maybe it is better to know about them at this point. So I have come kind of come into this podcast episode kicking and screaming because yeah, I'm not somebody who enjoys hearing these things. One of my friends, when when she gave birth, I said, how was it? And she said, you don't want to know. She did say at one point, I thought I was going to die. And that is something that I have heard when I've interviewed women on this topic as well. There is a real scary side of this where women are so unprepared that it's terrifying for some people. I remember when I interviewed Stacey Solomon, she said to me that when she had her first child, she was so unprepared, she didn't even know what a placenta was. So when she gave birth to the placenta after her baby, she completely freaked out and was like, what is this alien coming out Mm. of me? And I mean, she was quite young when she had her first child. She was 17, I think. But that just shows the level of silence around it that she could have been at that point and still not sure what was going on with her body. Something to note is that, you know, no two births are the same. Mm. So how prepared can you be? in some respects. I don't know if you, you've not read um, This Is Going To Hurt, have you? I've not, Rachel. No. <laughs> so there is this book which came out a couple of years ago, which is written by a guy called Adam Kay, who was a junior doctor. And he spent quite a lot of time on a maternity ward. And what you really get from that book is that there's just so many different experiences. Some are really funny. Some are like really harrowing. Some are devastating and really heartbreaking. And it just in a way, you know, me hearing in detail one of my friend's stories about birth, the likelihood of my birth being the same as hers is Mm. pretty slim. And obviously some births are, you know, pretty uneventful. I mean, apart from the obvious, but. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I definitely think that's something we wanted to flag in this episode. Like we will be talking about 
some of the, you know, complications and the harder things because we really wanted to give a platform to those things that are often silenced. But that doesn't mean that all births are bad. I have a friend, a, a dance class that I go to every week. She came back to class after six weeks and was completely dancing like normal, not even holding back, completely going for it. And I kind of said, oh, I didn't expect you to be uh, to be dancing like this already. And she said, oh, I was actually dancing around at home after four weeks. So we mm. definitely don't want to scaremonger people today. Just making sure that all experiences are heard, I think, is the key. Yeah, definitely. It's such a personal experience, isn't it? I had a friend who who had quite a unproblematic birth she had an NCT group they had a WhatsApp group and lots of the women on there were kind of talking about difficulties that they'd had and she just was like oh yeah me too because she didn't really mm. want to say that she hadn't had any of that yeah she just I was like it was quite unhelpful for me to be like oh I feel okay so maybe also those stories are kind of unheard as well we do know that some stories are heard more than others on this the stories of black women are often erased in particular, which is why we had a great takeover on HuffPost last year with the site Black Ballad. And a couple of the articles as part of that project highlighted the fact that black women are five times more likely to die during childbirth than other women. So we're really glad that we've got one of the co-founders of the Five Times More campaign joining us to talk about that today. And we've also got a midwife coming to join us to tell us a bit about the realities of birth, but also about managing those realities, coming to terms with them and making a positive plan if children is in the pipeline potentially for you in the future. I'm really looking forward to chatting to them both today just to hopefully raise awareness about some of the realities of this topic that's often shrouded in silence and secrecy. The best piece of advice I was given, there's no particularly delicate way to put this, was with regards to the first bowel movement after childbirth, where basically everything is very sore and you are filled with this enormous dread at even the thought of having to go through it. And the advice that I was given was to place a pad down below, obviously where the the baby has made its entrance, just for a bit of support um, and just that sensation of of being held together that little bit more, regardless of whether or not I think you've had stitches or or worse, God forbid. We're now joined by Marley Hall, better known as Midwife Marley. She runs a popular Instagram account where she shares prenatal education that is inclusive and accessible for all. Hi, Marley. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So you've been a midwife for many years. What are the key things that people don't realise about childbirth that you think they should know? It's actually quite shocking sometimes, the amount that people don't know. There's a, there's a whole list of things, such as people might poo during you know, when, when they're actually giving birth, the fact that they can have postpartum bleeding for weeks. I mean, I've got five children, and when I had the last one, the afterpains that I had after the birth were actually like I was in labour again. Oh, wow. How long does that last for? Well, for me, it went on for about two days. Oh, God. I had to have morphine um, to, to kind of sort it out, which is more than what I actually had to have whilst I was in labour. And, and it can be worse when you're actually breastfeeding. So every time your baby feeds, then your womb contracts. Also, the amount of people who don't realise that most people are going to labour and their waters don't break straight away. But most people actually go into labour first and then their waters might break later on. Sometimes the baby's just born in the sack. Things like knowing that actually birth can be a great experience. 
we always see the dramatic side of it. Like when you look at birth on TV, blue light to the hospital, screaming and shouting, <laughs> lying flat on her back, yeah. which actually is probably one of the worst positions to be in to give birth. Is it? <laughs> um, it is, yeah. That. that can slow labour down. If you're comfortable lying on your back, great. You know, do what you want to do. But if you can get up, that will actually help to speed things up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, oh, another one actually I, need, I should actually mention is... Now, you would think by bringing your legs open, that's actually going to help the baby's head to come through. But due to the mechanics of the pelvis, actually bringing your knees in and turning your ankles out, which I'm doing right now under the desk. (laughs) (laughs) Ankles out, but knees together. That actually opens your pelvis up wider. Wow. But there's loads. I mean, I I could be here all day. Oh, my God. (laughs) I've learned loads already. This is great. I've only been here like a minute. So um, Brogan and I aren't parents. Um, One of the things that worries me about potentially doing doing birth, what a weird phrase, um, giving birth in in the future is tears, really, of all the complications. That's Mm. the one I feel a little bit squeamish about. How common are tears? Should I be worried? You know, tell us a bit about that. It is a big fear. It's a question that I get asked every single day. Oh, don't want to tear, don't want to tear. Mm. Tears are very common. 85% of women will have a tear. But it's not about the fact that you might have a tear. It's the significance of it because all tears are graded. So you've got like a grade one, grade two, grade three, and grade four. Now, grade one tears are, it's not a huge deal. You don't actually feel it happening. Um, They don't really need stitches. Mm -hmm. They just heal on their own, just like a little cup. Grade two is a little bit deeper. So it kind of goes through the skin and goes into the muscle a little bit. And you might need a couple of stitches. You might not, it just depends. But again, you're so preoccupied with your womb contracting and the baby coming down that tearing is the last thing on your mind when you're when you're giving birth Mm. and it usually heals uh, pretty pretty easily grade three and grade four are the more serious tears and they're the ones that need to be repaired in the surgical theater but there are things that you can do in pregnancy to actually reduce the risk of you having a tear full stop one of those things is perineal massage there's been studies done that have shown that actually it can significantly reduce the risk of you having a significant tear. Okay, you've actually reassured me a little bit in a weird way. (laughs) Good, (laughs) good. What are some other complications that are common? Most people have uncomplicated pregnancies and actually can have uncomplicated births as well. Many of the complications, I would say, that um, end up where a woman goes into into theatre needing an assisted birth is because there has been what we call, and I hate this phrase, the failure to progress. So we, we we tend to put people on like this time scale. And actually, it should be a case by case thing. And people should be able to talk to their care providers about it and ask questions and say, okay, what are the benefits of this? What are the risks? If the baby's okay, and I'm okay, can we wait a little bit longer? These are the things that we need to be teaching women during their pregnancy that Labour isn't always like one minute you're standing there, the next minute you're into labour, and a few hours later you have a baby. Sometimes it can stop and start, stop and start, stop and start for several days. And I think if we learn to expect that may happen, then it's less of a shock, you know, when it does. That um, brings me on to my next question, actually. Why don't we know about the realities of childbirth? Because obviously thousands and thousands of women do it every year. Why don't we know about these things? Over the last few years, a lot of the NHS trusts in the UK have been ending their free antenatal classes anyway due to you know cutback shortages. So they've had to stop them. Not everybody can afford to go on to a private antenatal class or, or can't get access to them. 
And I think that there's an element of, I don't know if I want to know. I'd rather be ignorant to everything. Whereas I think sometimes if you're totally ignorant to sort of learning about birth and know and asking questions, then you might be in for a bit of a shock once you're actually there. So you mentioned the antenatal classes earlier. What can you expect to learn about childbirth in those classes? Does it kind of tend to focus on the baby and baby development and caring for the baby? Is, is it, or is there a certain amount dedicated to childbirth as well? I mean, some antenatal classes will just focus on the birth, you know, preparing yourself for the birth, what to expect, the best positions to be in, different types of pain relief, when things might go wrong, how to have a positive birth experience, what happens immediately after. But unfortunately, some people, they'll get all of their birth information from from their friends, Mm. which is good if you've got a, a variety of friends with a variety of stories. But people tend to share their horror stories and their negative stories more than their positive ones so it's all about being about being candid and and letting people know what may happen you know this is how birth should go this is how we we want it to go and I'm going to teach you how to try and achieve that but it doesn't always work like that and if it doesn't then this is what you might expect but if all that you're surrounded by is is negativity and people saying how awful it is then as a pregnant person you're going to go into that thinking oh my gosh I am just absolutely terrified. Then your adrenaline is going to rise up in your body and then you're going to be fearful. And then you are more likely, if your adrenaline levels are high, to have a more complicated, longer birth anyway. Mm. So it's about having that balance. You mentioned that you hear from a lot of your followers who are who are pregnant. What are some of their biggest fears around childbirth and what advice do you give them to help kind of mitigate those fears? Biggest fears are tearing and pain. And the other two big ones are their baby dying and them dying themselves. But if someone says to me, oh, you know, I'm, I'm scared I'm going to die in childbirth, then I'll turn around and I'll say, look, it's a legitimate fear, you know, because it does happen sometimes. The maternal mortality rate at the moment, I think, is about one in 10,000. So that's what I would say to somebody. But if somebody is really, really fearful about that or about something happening to their baby, then I would say, look, you know, perhaps you you might want to talk to somebody about it. There are midwives that kind of specialise in people that are are afraid of childbirth as well. Something we call tocophobia. It is genuine fear. You know, some people really are absolutely petrified of of, of having a baby. But I also say, like, you know, for, for those that might be scared of something happening to their baby, the, the the prevalence of that stillbirth rate, for example, is 0.05%. So again, it's very, very low. But empower yourself, ask questions. And I always say that pregnant people have this intuition. You know your baby more than anybody else does. You know your baby more than me. I might know about newborns, but I don't know your baby. Are there any resources that you would recommend for people who are thinking about um, having children or might already be pregnant, where would you recommend they look to kind of get some of this advice? The main place to start would be the NHS website. You know, um, there's a whole host of information on there about pregnancy and about birth. There's only like limited information on there. You can have a little look at AIMS, that's A-I-M-S dot org. And there's a whole team of experts on channelmum.com who do offer support and, and help and guidance. Uh, there's loads and loads of forums as well that people join but I would say be cautious of those those kind of places and also if you are offered uh, an intervention or a treatment but you're not sure you can always go straight to the nice guidelines if you're ever worried that you know you're not getting the right advice or you're not being listened to. 
Can you talk us through some of the prep that women can do to really feel empowered going into birth? So I'm thinking things like birth plans or talking to a birthing partner or a doula. Tell us about those. The main thing is to have knowledge to start. So whether that's attending a birthing class or if you can't do that, get, you know, get a handful of pregnancy books perhaps to to read through. So you understand about the actual process, how birth works. And then writing your birth plan, or I prefer to call it birth preferences. Always remain open-minded and and, and know that you can change your mind, that the, the birth plan or birth preferences isn't, isn't fixed. Prepare your mind and your body. So there are studies that have shown that people who exercise in pregnancy are more likely to have easier births and shorter births. Preparing your mind to doing relaxation, trying to limit stress as much as you can. I'd also like to add, I use... Um, something called the brain acronym. B would stand for what are the benefits? So ask the doctor, okay, what's the benefits of this? Once you've asked that, okay, so what are the risks? The A would be, is there any alternatives? And then I would stand for what's your intuition telling you? How do you feel in yourself? And then N would stand for what happens if we do nothing? And if the doctor says, well, if you do nothing, then, you know, something detrimental is going to happen. That would probably kind of sway your decision. But Asking these questions and and asking for evidence is a great way of kind of gaining that empowerment over your own choices because the number of times I hear people saying online, my my doctor's not not going to allow me to go past 40 weeks. Um, I wasn't allowed to sit up during my birth. You can do whatever you like. (laughs) Midwives and doctors, we're not police. All we can do is advise you. But if you don't want to do it, that's absolutely fine. Your Instagram is really lovely and inclusive of all of the illustrations and things that you put on there. Can you tell us a bit about that and why it was so important to you? Yeah, I mean, if you go into any bookshop and you go to the pregnancy section and health section, nobody on the book covers look like me. All the babies are white and they're all heterosexual couples. So I just thought it was about time we had some more diversity and inclusivity especially at the moment, we know that black women are five times more likely to die during pregnancy and birth. Asian women are twice as likely to die. Black and Asian babies are are like 60% more likely to die. So it's just really, really important to make people from those communities feel like actually, you know, it's for everybody. What's the biggest piece of advice you'd like to give listeners in terms of creating positive birth preferences if you can't access or pay for a doula or you haven't got a birth partner then you can always choose a friend or a family member or someone else that is going to be a support to you and when you write your birth preferences do it with your birth partner so that they know what you are hoping for then your birth partner can step in and be an advocate for you that's great advice that is great advice we have one final question before we let you go that we put to all of our podcast guests and that is what makes you uncomfortable do you know what it is? It's cats licking their paws or their fur. It, I just hate it. <laughs> that is, but how are they meant it to really, stay clean? I know, but they can do that. But just away from me, please. Go and do, go do. It just makes me feel really like, it makes me cringe. A bit like, you know, when you put your, your, your claws down the, down the chalkboard, it kind of gives me that sensation like, oh, yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today thank you you're welcome thanks for having me that was marley hall you can follow marley on instagram under midwife marley and marley spelled m-a-r-l-e-y 
I wish I had been told that labour isn't just about pain or severe pain. Um, it's more like feeling acutely ill and my body felt as if I had flu and I was standing on the edge of the motorway having stepped out of a car crash. I was just shaking. It was like an out-of-body experience. Um, and I, I, I thought if someone had just warned me that it was going to be like this, it would have been less of a shock. I would have been able to work through it more easily. Um, but the good news is that my second birth was so much easier um, and was a, a triumph and a thrill, really. We heard earlier from midwife Marley about the disparities facing black women during birth, and we wanted to focus more on this topic. So now we're joined by Clotilde Rebecca Addy, one of the co-founders of Five Times More. The project aims to raise awareness about the disparities of maternal mortality rates for black women in the UK. Chloe also runs Prosperitis, a social enterprise supporting black and South Asian women during the perinatal period. Chloe, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So five times more obviously raises awareness of the fact that black women are five times more likely to die during childbirth. Why is that the case? Like, why is this still happening? Okay, so you can't pinpoint it to one thing. It's multiple factors. Um, Some factors are because how health professionals see black women and the stereotype of black women. There's also unconscious bias and black women are not really informed of their choices. So those are a few um, factors towards why we're more likely to die. And so the, the statistics were released as part of a report in 2018. Why is there such little awareness around the issue? Only in 2018, Marilyn Knight made sure to highlight the statistics. She has been trying to do it for years, but has never been successful to 2018 when she was making sure that we are aware that black women are five times more likely to die. If it wasn't for her, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be known. I speak to health professionals who themselves were not aware of the statistics because they're not taught. I remember I did an event for the UK's first maternal um, health awareness week that we created And I asked one of the student midwives, was she told about the statistics that black women are five times more likely to die? And was there anything done on black women's studies along those sort of lines? And she said Mm. in her first year as a student midwife, there was one slide. Oh, my goodness. God, that's really, really shocking. Obviously, like, as you say, the awareness is, is really low in general, even among healthcare professionals. What would you say to a black woman thinking about having a child, is it safe for black women to have children in the UK? Yes, well, five times more likely to die, but it's still safe to give birth in the UK. Um, I always tell women, you know, it's safe, do not be scared. And this is why mm. we created the five times more, because we wanted to empower women and encourage women, you know. Yes, the statistics are high, they're shocking and they're terrible, but you can still give birth and here are the things that you should do if you want to give birth. And we try to empower women and prepare them for birth. What are some of the things that the Five Times More project is doing to help women specifically? Like how do you, um, what kind of things do you do you share with women in terms of their rights and and how to kind of advocate for themselves? The first step is speak up if you feel like something is wrong. 
the second step is find someone that can talk on your behalf when you can't talk for yourself. I remember I had a forcep during my second pregnancy, had no clue what a forcep was. I was so vulnerable. So having someone that was there that could have spoke for me and we asked women to seek a second opinion. A lot of women are unaware that they're allowed to seek a second opinion if they feel the opinion that they're being told is wrong. They're allowed to have another midwife if they prefer different midwives. These are all things that women are allowed to have but are not sure about. You know, we tell women to do their research. And the last one which we added was we asked women to make sure they document everything. And this is a good sign of kind of like continuity of care. It's so great you've created all these really helpful steps. But I know that another thing that you're also really keen to highlight is that the blame shouldn't be put on women about this, isn't it? Can you tell us a bit about that? Yes, I feel like a lot of the time they say, you know, um, black women are hard to reach. But to be honest, um, services are not accessible to us. You know, they're really hard for us to access some of the time. I remember I went through my pregnancy, had a bit of um, depression, went to the GP and the GP said I wasn't suicidal enough. Now, to me, you had turned me away. Mm. Now you're going to say that I am hard to reach. And I find that it's easy to black women that access service, black women that ask for help. It's just a it's just a cop out, really, mm. you know, and yeah. to put the blame on us. God, it sounds like you had an absolutely shocking experience with that. I'm so sorry to hear that. It's just awful. In your experience of working through this campaign, what are some of the biggest fears that women tend to have that you've heard? A lot of them feel like, um, I find it hard to say this, but um, they're really scared. Mm. They are really, really scared of giving birth. A lot of the women that come to me, I say stuff like, you know, I have my midwife appointment coming up and I'm really scared. What do I do? What do I say? It's not nice to hear. And I think I was one of those mums as well. Before I started doing all this work, I didn't know my rights. I didn't know what I was supposed to do, what I wasn't supposed to do. Um, I get a lot of mums contacting me and wanting me to help them in their birth plan. And when I tell them stuff like, you know, home birth, water birth, they're like, oh my gosh, really? I can have that? I'm like, yeah, why do you think you can't have that? And they will say stuff like, because my midwife never um, offered it to me. I'm like, no. Go back to your midwife and ask your midwife if you can have this sort of birth. You know, obviously you're doing such amazing work, but that must be a lot to speak to them about all of their fears. Must be quite, is it, I mean, is it difficult to to kind of hear that, those fears from the women that you work with? It's definitely hard to hear stuff like, you know, I don't want to die. It's, it's hard. The rate of, of women dying in the UK is very low. It's still a safe place, yet you have five times more likely to die. Do you have any advice for women on how they can make an informed choice about what type of birth they have? Because, you know, it's one of those things that before, as you say, before you're there, you don't really know what your body's going to react best to. So say for someone, you know, who hasn't had a child before how can you even go about making that decision you have to research it on our website we have resources there and then going to your midwife seeing a consultant midwife if you can or community midwife and ask them this is type of birth I want can I please have it and if not asking her why you can't have it and weighing up your options so in July I worked I supported a woman who wanted a, who really, really wanted a water birth. She wasn't offered a water birth because her BMI was over, that was 35, which is like the maximum to have a water birth. And I remember her coming to me and I, and I sat down with her, went through her birth plan, went through other options. So I said to her, if you can't have a water birth, what's next? You know, she ended up having a water birth in the end, to be honest. So she actually got the 
birth that she wanted. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's because she was informed. And when she went to the consult midwife, she knew what to say. She should have had that discussion and been offered different options about her birth, but she wasn't. You know, she had to really push. And not everyone has that power to push. What you're doing by informing women and empowering them to advocate for themselves and like take time to ask what they want and research and stuff is really is is you know really great for not just for childbirth for all health care scenarios just powerful it's, it's, it's great yeah I definitely agree with you as well Chloe you kind of saying women shouldn't have to ask for this though like it's obviously it's so great that you've empowered them to but they shouldn't have to ask for it in the first place what are some of the myths surrounding black women in childbirth that you think need correcting? Um, so one of the biggest myths that I hear, and I really get upset when I hear this, um, because it does scare a lot of women, is that if you have a white midwife, you're more likely to die or get worse care or worse outcome. I don't believe that at all. The midwife I had with my first pregnancy was a brilliant white midwife. My second pregnancy was awful was also a white midwife. I just want to make it clear that having a white midwife doesn't mean that you're going to get a worse outcome. No, it's all about the individual midwife. You obviously, through your work, speak with um, women on an individual case. And you, as you said, you, you speak to them about their birth plans. Part of your work as well is also campaigning at quite a kind of high level. Can you talk to us a bit about that? In December, myself and Tinoke met with MPs to talk about the evidence that we submitted and a bit more about our campaign. Our petition gained over 187,000 signatures back in April. And we are waiting it to be debated in Parliament. We have worked with the Positive Birth Company. So every month we give 100 black mums um, their digital package to prepare them for pregnancy, which is worth £40. We also have a um, MP writing campaign where we tell everyone to write to their MP so their MP could take this matter seriously. That's so great to hear. I really, really hope it makes a difference. You've given us loads and loads of great things to think about and I think it'll be really helpful for a lot of listeners too. But before we let you go, we do have one final question that we ask all of our podcast guests and that is, what makes you uncomfortable? Oh, gosh. Okay, so what makes me uncomfortable is people crunching ice. I just find it so weird. As in in their, like, teeth? Yeah, like, they're just crunched ice. I know what you mean. I have really sensitive front teeth but because it makes my teeth like it's really painful for me if ever I see someone like buying ice cream I'm just like there <laughs> yeah hopefully we won't be doing too much of that in January drinking ice but anyway <laughs> very true <laughs> thank you so so much for joining us it's been a pleasure to have you on to speak about such an important issue it's been amazing to have you on thank you for having me I really enjoyed it thank you you can follow Chloe on at five times more underscore to find out more about the campaign. That is spelt at F-I-V-E-X-M-O-R-E underscore. I wish I'd known that labour doesn't have to be a super traumatic, painful medical experience. It can be joyful. I actually have some really fond memories of part of my labour, just feeling at peace and excited and happy and letting my body do what it was supposed to do. And I really thank hypnobirthing for that. 
uh, with a little bit of luck and a little bit of um, preparation, I ended up having an unmedicated, <laughs> unplanned home birth. Do you feel more informed about birth now, Rachel? I feel like I've learned loads, um, especially from midwife Marley. Almost within, you know, the first 30 seconds of her talking, I'd learned something. I have to admit that I did not know that people got pains following birth, you know, sometimes two or three days later. That boggled my mind a little bit. Um, I think you know, if you're not told this, that's the sort of thing where if it was to happen to me in the future, I would think I'd had some kind of awful complication when actually, apparently that's, that's quite regular. So yeah, I've, I've learned loads from both of them. Something that I wish I hadn't learned perhaps was, um, about how often women tear because you, when you asked that question, I thought she's going to go, oh, you know, no, it only happens in this many cases. But 85% is quite a lot. Uh, but it was good, I think, for us to hear about the different degrees. Yes. And also what women can do while pregnant to try and kind of um, avoid third and fourth degree tears. Yeah, it did actually reassure me her talking about that because she said it in such a kind of calm, yeah, it does happen. But also a lot mm. of the time you won't even realise it's happened you know, that in a in a weird way, that did set my mind at ease a little bit. The biggest thing from both of the guests today, I think, was just knowledge is power, that idea. Like mm. we obviously learned so many things about birth in general from Mali, but then Chloe taught us so much about black women and childbirth and some of the issues that come up and some of the things that everyone needs to be aware of really especially healthcare professionals one of the things that really stood out for me from what she was saying is that quite often the problem actually lies within medical professionals themselves and the training that they get and I really hope just from the work that she does and the more that she talks about it that that changes. Yeah I agree she's doing some incredible work with the five times more project I also loved when she she spoke about the work that she's doing, encouraging women to advocate for themselves mm. and to research and to go to medical appointments, you know, prepared just so that they feel, you know, not intimidated by the conversation. And I really liked from Marley when she spoke about having birth preferences over birth plans mm. and the whole thing that, you know, birth plans maybe feel a bit rigid and it's important to be open about the way that labor might go yeah yeah absolutely but yeah basically so much yeah I learned more in that episode than I've learned my entire life (laughs) yeah I I definitely agree And on that note, that's it for this week's episode of Am I Making You Uncomfortable? Please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a wonderful review. We'll be back next week where we'll be discussing another taboo topic. This time it's the money gap. I'm Rachel Moss and you can find me at Rachel Moss underscore. And I'm Brogan Driscoll and you can find me at Brogan underscore Driscoll. This podcast is produced by Rachel Porter Our assistant producer is Marta van der Wolf and our sound engineer is Nag Karinde. You've just listened to Am I Making You Uncomfortable? And the hashtag is AIMYU.